Hey, and welcome to Becca Babbles Podcast, the show where I will teach you to be the best version of yourself by learning about yourself, body, and the world around you, or at the very least, give you a good laugh. I'm your host, Becca. Now let's get babbling. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Becca Babbles Podcast. I'm your host, Becca, and I'm so excited that this is going to be the first solo podcast of 2023. I didn't really do an intro in my first podcast of the year just because I wanted to get that interview out and I was so excited that I kind of forgot. And if, by the way, if you have not listened to that interview that I did with Marissa, I would highly, highly, highly go and listen to that, but definitely listen to this first and then go back and listen to that. But I hope your new year is starting out great. And I wanted to kick off this new year with a podcast that I had been wanting to do for a while. And then I got so excited about other topics that I kind of forgot about it. And then I was like, oh, wait, I haven't done this yet. So today we're going to talk about how fat, eating fat, does not make you fat. I feel like this is still a big misconception in the world today that people are afraid of eating fat because just because the word is associated with fat or those two words are the same, everyone thinks like, oh, okay, fat makes me fat. That just just makes sense. And that's what I had thought of when I was going through my health phase. Mostly it was like, oh, I just won't put salad dressing on my salad because like what's the point they're just extra calories and I didn't really realize the benefit of fat and I kind of forgot that people still sort of thought that way but recently I had a friend mention they were like oh I definitely yeah I only eat low-fat Greek yogurt because I don't want to get fat and there are some benefits to eating low-fat Greek yogurt at some points for some people but just because that instant was because there was this fear behind not getting fat, I wanted to mention to her how that's not actually the case. A lot of the times, which I will get into when I talk about the functions of eating fat, actually might help you stay fuller longer. But she didn't realize that. All she associated it with was that, oh, I want to make sure that I eat as little fat as possible because I'm going to get fat if I eat too much of it. But that's again not the role of fat and I had even talked about this with her where actually fat the more medical term if you want to talk about that fat is actually known as lipids so if it helps you to think about instead of labeling fat as fat think of it as oh yeah I'm just making sure I get my lipids in my diet and I've even found that with myself then I don't associate it so much with the word fat and there's that shame behind it but then even then I would dig into it a little bit more of why is there this shame around the word fat but that's just a little journal prompt that you can go into if you want to do that but right now we're going to talk about what are fats again like I had already mentioned fats are known as lipids they are an essential nutrient which means you need to eat them so when I was thinking oh I don't want to eat fat that was like a no-go because you have to eat them. Your body cannot create them. You need to eat them to survive. They are an organic molecule that does not dissolve in water. This basically means like when you put oil in water, you see that it 
sits on the top, that's because oil does not dissolve in water. Fat does not dissolve in water. Now, there's a few different types of fats that are in your body. There's ones called triglycerides, which I feel like most people know about, or maybe I might just be thinking it because it was stressed in my anatomy class so much, but basically this means that the molecule contains a glycol group and three fatty acid groups that it is broken up into. Then there are things called phospholipids. Now to break this up, because I like breaking up words because then it makes more sense. Phospho, meaning that it's created or made of phosphorus, and then lipid, meaning that it's a fat. And the purpose of these is these create your cell membrane. So your cells, think of your cells having skin. Your skin, your quote skin for your cells would be your cell membrane that allows things to come in and out of your cells. And you want those to stay nice and strong because when they function well, you function well. And then there's things called isoprenoids, which make up vitamins and cholesterol and carotenoids, which we will get into about cholesterol later because it is not the bad guy. Hint, hint. Now, if you want to go more nutritionally or in the nutritional space of fats, there are things called saturated fats, or that's probably one of the big ones that you've heard people talk about. Saturated fats, all I want you to think about is they the bond or the car the carbon the molecule is made of carbon that are all bonded and all of those carbons are then bonded by hydrogen so the reason why it is called saturated fat is because it's completely saturated or it's completely covered in hydrogen so i used to get really confused with saturated fat and unsaturated fat which we will talk about in a second and I would be like, oh, wait, which one means what? What what does the molecule look like? Literally, just think about if you're laying in bed, or this is kind of how I think about it. You're laying in bed, and you're completely covered in hydrogen bonds, or you're completely covered in a blanket that just has hydrogens all over it, and you're completely saturated. That's what saturated fats are. Every part of you is covered in hydrogen. And the reason for this is... All these hydrogen bonds allows this fat to stay solid at room temp. So things like butter, fatty beef, pork, lamb, poultry with skin on it, coconut, cheese, full fat dairy products. These are all solid at room temp because of all those hydrogen bonds. Now, on the other hand, there's something called unsaturated fats. These have all the bonds of the carbon are together. But one of the bonds or a few of the bonds aren't occupied by hydrogen and instead are occupied by a double bond with carbon. This allows this fat to be liquid at room temp. So think of things like olive oil that is a liquid because of that double bond. There's two different types of unsaturated fats, which are monounsaturated fat and polyunsaturated fat. Mono meaning that there is one double bond. So think of again in that analogy with you're laying in bed on that blanket that's full of hydrogen bonds. Then let's say there's like a big hole in the middle. That means that you are unsaturated or you're not saturated in that area because there is a hole. That hole would be where that double bond is. Now polyunsaturated fat Kind of just the same thing, except poly meaning many. So you have two spaces where there are double bonds. So let's say you have two big holes in that blanket. 
Some top sources of monounsaturated fats are nuts, avocados, olive oil, high oleic sapphire oil, sunflower oil, peanut butter, which technically is a mix between saturated and monounsaturated, but mostly mono, and then macadamia nuts, eggs, again, a mix of mono and saturated, but mostly mono, and almonds. So when you think of sources of monounsaturated fats, think of things that come from the ground. Then there are the top sources of polyunsaturated fats. These are things like walnuts, sunflower seeds, flax seeds or flax oil, sesame seeds, fish, chia seeds, grapeseed oil, and mayonnaise. Now, something that I want to highlight with walnuts and flax seeds is that these things are made of omega-3s. And we will talk about omega-3s later and the importance of omega-3s, but the only thing about these omega-3s that come from walnuts and flax seeds is that the type of omega-3 that it is is ALA or alpha-lipoic acid. And your body can't utilize this source of omega-3s as well as the different sources, which we will get into later. So it has to convert from ALA into those other sources so that it can be digested easier and utilized by your body. Now, this is not a bad thing necessarily. It's just you want to make sure that not all of your sources of omega-3s are coming from things like walnuts and flax seeds. There are a bunch of other benefits of eating walnuts and flax seeds. But again, if you're trying to increase your omega-3s, don't make them all come from walnuts and flax seeds or don't just think, oh, I'll just like add in some more walnuts to get in some more omega-3s. You might want to look at some other sources if you want to do that. Hint, hint, I would probably do eggs. (laughs) Now, what exactly are omega-3s? And I'm going to point out omega-6s because that's the other one. And why should you care about them? For starters, omega-3s and omega-6s are polyunsaturated fats. I kind of already mentioned that. But the differences between them is think of, again, that blanket of hydrogens. You have your two holes. But at one of the holes or the third hole, I guess I should mention, is there's that double bond on that third carbon. So it's basically just pointing out in this polyunsaturated fat, there is a third bond or on the third bond, third bond, man, if I can get my words together, on the third bond, there is a double bond compared to omega-6s, there is a double bond on the sixth carbon atom. Now, there are different sources of omega-3s. I've already mentioned ALA or alpha-lipoic acid, which comes from walnuts and flax seeds. And then there's EPA and DHA. These comes from things like fish, like salmon and mackerel. By the way, salmon is amazing. You should be eating more salmon. It is so good. Um, But again, I just want to say, watch out that not all of your sources are coming from ALA, It is kind of cool that women are able to convert ALA a little bit better than men, but again, it's at that low percentage, so you want to be eating more things like salmon, mackerel, or sardines. High fish diet. Then there's things like your omega-6 sources, which would be LA, GLA, and AA. I would be 
saying the entire words, but I feel like you guys would get a little bit caught in the weeds as far as like what all that is and it would just be going over your head and you'd be like, why is she saying all this? So if you really want to know what they mean or what they are, just go look it up. Be like Omega 6 is LA, but just make sure you're not getting the city and getting the like actual nutrient. Now, different functions in your body because there's different reasons why you'd want omega-3s and different reasons why you'd want omega-6s. Omega-3s, their main function, literally, just think about this when you're thinking of omega-3s and why you'd want them, is that they are anti-inflammatory. This is why taking fish oil, everyone's like, take fish oil, take fish oil, take fish oil, because you want that anti-inflammatory effect. Now, it's not necessarily saying that inflammation is bad, which we will get into in a second, but there are some studies showing that increasing your omega-3s like EPA and DHA will help decrease depression and mood stabilization due to the decrease in inflammation in the gut and the brain. If you don't already know this, literally your gut is like your second brain. And if there is inflammation in the gut, there's been studies that have shown that it is related to things like depression and unstable mood. So you kind of want to decrease or you do want to decrease that inflammation in your gut and you might find that your mood is stabilized or a little bit better and you might have a better outlook on life. Besides, who really wants a messed up gut? Because I know when my stomach's upset, I am not the happiest person in the world. So up your omega-3s. Another function of omega-3s is they dilate your blood vessels, uh, decrease pain, and reduce systemic inflammation. Kind of just a repetition of anti-inflammatory, but that just highlights the importance of reducing that inflammation. Now, omega-6s on the other hand, literally think the opposite. Think pro-inflammatory. I kind of have it highlighted in my notes right here, or not highlighted, bolded that it is pro-inflammatory. That is the main function of it. And I want to stress about how pro-inflammation isn't necessarily a bad thing. I know everyone talks about how inflammation, you want to decrease it, decrease inflammation. You don't want inflammation. Inflammation is bad. It's not that the inflammation is bad. It's just that we have so much of it that we can't recover from it. When you look at inflammation, you want to see, okay, I see inflammation as a stressor. I want to be able to adapt to that stressor. But if there is so much of that stress that I can't adapt to it, then I am literally just surviving at that point. And we want to be adapting, not surviving. So omega-6s allow you to create that inflammation to have better recovery from an injury. There's been a study out debunking the whole ice method and about how you actually shouldn't be icing your injuries and that you will recover faster if you don't ice them depending on the injury. But and I even have to had a friend do this where it was so weird they were like I feel like I should be icing this but I'm not doing this right now. And they they didn't ice it and then they found that their I think they like sprained their ankle um, but they found that they recovered faster and that they were completely fine it was because their body was able to adapt to that stress because yes they did let it recover but they also let the body do its own processes of adapting to that injury creating that inflammation and then letting it recover so another thing that omega-6s do is promote ecto, ec, 
eicosanoids, wow, (laughs) Um, which just increase inflammation and then it also causes blood clotting. Now, the reason why you want to be aware of your omega-6s and your omega-3s is because you are supposed to or it's recommended to consume a one-to-one ratio of omega-3s to omega-6s. Now, I want that to digest for a second because I'm about to tell you what most people actually eat. Most people eat a 1 to 16 or a 1 to 20. That's a big difference. Think of 1 to 1 to 1 to 16. That, that, that's, that's a lot. Now, it would be more, more realistic to say eat a 1 to 6 or a 1 to 4 because, again, there is so many omega-6s in our diet or in society that it's kind of hard to hit that one-to-one. But again, it's kind of just a goal that you should be reaching for and you don't have to be so stressed out about getting it. You're like, oh my gosh, I don't know what my omega-6s and my omega-3s are. Literally, just think about it right now. If you're not eating fish once a week and you're not taking a fish oil, I would just think, okay, probably not getting enough omega-3s. Now, if you really want to get it checked, there are some labs called Omega Checks that you can check your levels. But for the most part, I would say that most people, their omega-3s are low. So maybe this year, you'd be like, I want to increase my fish in my diet this year so that I get that increase in anti-inflammation and get those increased omega-3s. Now, the reason why you also want to increase your omega-3s is because our body lacks an enzyme called omega-3 diastase. And this is because your body uses the same enzyme to break down omega-6s and omega-3 fatty acids. You can't use omega-6s to break down omega-3 fatty acids. This is why eating more omega-3s is important in your diet because if you're if all you're consuming is omega 6s then all you're getting are omega 6s and all those enzymes are mostly going to omega 6s so trying to make sure that you get in more omega 3s will be more likely that your body is breaking down those omega 3s now something i do want to talk about are things called pufas i've heard people talk about these before and for the longest time i was like what the heck are pufas i don't understand people are telling me to stay away from them i don't know what this means and literally i looked it up i was like why don't i just use google duh and it literally stands for polyunsaturated fatty acids now i was a little bit confused because i was like okay wait but i thought i would want polyunsaturated fatty acids because those have omega-3s this is true but there's certain ones that are higher in omega-6s and like i said again if we already have this abundance of omega-6s in our diet coming from the food that we eat we want to make sure that the fats that we are consuming aren't super high in omega-6s and that they're either more of an even balance or that they are higher in omega-3s now the PUFAs that I'll be listing out are things like canola oil, grapeseed oil, corn oil, cottonseed oil, margarine, shortening, sapphire oil, soybean oil, and sunflower oil and vegetable oil. Again, these are really high in omega-6s, so this will increase inflammation. This means that they will oxidize quicker, especially under 
especially under heat, which will then increase oxidative stress that is in your body. More stress means more recovery, which means that if your body, again, is not adapting to that stress, then it's just surviving. So I know for me, I used to get super freaked out about anything that had any of these things listed on labels or if I was to go out to eat I would get stressed out I'd be like oh my gosh I can't go out to eat because like these would have oils in it and it would freak me out and then I'd just stay away but I don't want you to be stressing out about it because mental stress is just going to make things even worse you want to be calm while you're eating and also think about when you're going out to eat, most of the time you're going out with friends, family, you're enjoying that time. So don't stress about it if you go out and probably the fries that you are eating are fried in vegetable oil. Don't stress about that. All I care about is making sure that the food that I cook with doesn't have these types of oils that I'm cooking with things like avocado oil, like olive oil, uh, coconut oil, ghee, I cook with those kinds of oils because I know that it won't have this oxidative stress on my body. Now, if you are eating foods that have these things in it, I would say definitely check the label first. But if you're eating it from time to time, don't worry about it. I know there's some things that I probably get from Trader Joe's that I have from time to time and I consume them and they probably have canola oil in it. I know that's a big one. Canola oil is a big one that is in most products that you want to watch out for. But again, don't stress about it if you have it from time to time or if you're using uh, packaged food. I know when I go for hikes or for school and I'm studying and I need a quick snack, it's beneficial in that time. Now, if I'm having this every day or if you wake up in the morning and your first go-to is a granola bar and you're eating it with, I don't know what people have with granola bars, but that's kind of the first thing that comes to mind. I will say this right now. If you're eating a granola bar just for breakfast, please be eating something more than just a granola bar. Please add like some protein or something to it. You need more than just a granola bar for breakfast. But besides the point, I'll just use the example of a granola bar. So you're eating this granola bar for breakfast and let's say that it has canola oil in it and you're eating it every morning. You're having it every morning when you're going off to school or going off to work because you're busy in the morning and you're nervous about a test that you're about to take. It's fine if it's a one-time thing, but if it's an everyday thing, I would highly, highly recommend maybe switching to a different granola bar or switching to a different breakfast, having some variety because you're constantly eating this so your body's constantly getting produced to the stress or being shown to the stress so you want to be varying it up it's all about moderation it's all about not having these things all the time so if you're having these foods all the time then I'd be a little bit more concerned but if you're just having it from time to time it's not that big of a deal your body can adapt and it will be fine All right, last fat that I want to mention that you want to be mindful of is trans fats. And the reason for this is when you look at the molecule, it is the double bond that you would see is flipped or the cyst bond would be flipped. You don't really need to know exactly what that means, but basically all it does is create a kink in the molecule. And so it causes it to be solid at room temp. 
There's not supposed to be high amounts of trans fats in foods anymore, but there are still small amounts in foods. And you want to be mindful of this because our body can't handle these molecules and they're very inflammatory to us. So you want to watch out for it, especially if they're man-made trans fats like margarine. Now, I know I kind of went down a deep rabbit hole of watch out for this, watch out for that. You don't want to consume too much of this and too much of that. And I want to kind of like lighten it up on telling you how amazing fats are because that's kind of the whole point of this podcast is to tell you why you should be eating fats and why they're so amazing. And so we're going to start out with some functions. So a function of fats is that it is the most energy dense form or it's the most energy dense molecule. That's a better way of putting it. It has nine calories per gram. Now, I know most people would be like, okay, so I definitely need to make sure that I don't eat a lot of fat because there is a lot of calories in them. No, I don't want you to be scared of that. I want you to think, okay, I have more energy, so I'm able to focus more on school. I'm able to focus more on my family. I'm able to sustain between my meals. I want Energy is not a bad thing. Calories are not a bad thing. It keeps you going. It keeps you moving. Another function of fats is that they create our hormone profile. They're the backbone of all steroid hormones. We need fats to create hormones. If you are having hormonal issues, I can't stress this enough, please increase your fats. You need fats to create your hormones. Another function of fats is that it creates our cell membranes. Again, I talked about this a little bit earlier, but it creates those phospholipids that create that skin barrier, if you want to think of it that way, of our cells. And if our cells, you want to make sure that our cells are functioning well because of our micro bodies, I guess, if I, I want to think of it as like our cells are our mini us and then our organs are like our baby us and then or I guess that would be our tissues and then our organs are our baby us and then our systems are our teenager us and our bodies are our adult us if one thing isn't working then everything else is going to collapse so you want to make sure those like mitochondria of the cells I know there's like a lot of research right now saying how to better them if those aren't working or if our cells aren't working and our cells aren't feeling well then we're probably not going to feel as well it's kind of like when they talk about your Achilles heel, that's you want to make sure those cells are functioning well and are protected so that it's not going to end up being your Achilles heel. That was a lot of imagery right there. <laughs> Another function of fats is nervous system support and protection. Now, I know even for myself, I get really self-conscious about that like lower belly pooch that most females talk about. And Literally, I want you to look at that and realize that that fat is protecting your uterus. Sorry for all guys right now that are probably cringing and being like, oh my gosh, she's talking about the uterus. Just get comfortable right now. You, it's, it's an organ. It's fine. That fat is protecting your future baby, that organ in your body. It's creating protection so that let's say like, I don't know if someone... I can only think of when I played sports, but like if a ball goes and like someone chucks it and it hits me right in the uterus that like it's going to be fine. It's going to be protected. There is a reason why there is a fat layer there. 
Another function of fats is that it provi provides essential fatty acids. You cannot make omega-3s and omega-6s. That's why it's important to consume them. Fats also help you absorb certain vitamins like A, D, E, and K. I know in my like school podcast, I talked about a little acronym of memorizing a dentist eats keto. You can think of it that way because there are certain vitamins that can be absorbed with or needs to be absorbed with fats and then certain vitamins that can only be or can be absorbed with water. And then if you have too much of them, you just pee them out. So for all those people that are eating a salad without any avocado or any dressing, you're not getting any of those vitamins from that lettuce or other vegetables that is in that salad. And that's kind of the whole purpose of eating a salad besides like the fiber content. The last function that I want to talk about is that it is the building block of every cell in your body, especially cholesterol, which is essential for life. Now, speaking of cholesterol, I wanted to talk about this because I know a lot of people think cholesterol is the bad guy when it is not. A lot of the cholesterol that you consume just from whole foods, your body knows how to process it. It knows how to utilize it and it knows how to use it. And fun fact, only one third of your food has the cholesterol that is in your body or one third of the cholesterol that you have comes from your food and then two thirds of it comes from your body. And you mostly get cholesterol from animal foods and eggs. Now, if you still don't believe me on that cholesterol is not the bad guy, there was a diet heart hypothesis that basically showed that corn oil and polyunsaturated margarine lowered serum levels of cholesterol. And this was to be shown to be healthy and made these people better. And what actually ended up happening was that they later debunked this hypothesis and showed that there was a 22 increase in death of cardiovascular disease and coronary heart disease and ischemia stroke. So what does this mean? Cholesterol is actually protective. And the reason why this happened was because these people couldn't get rid of the inflammation that was created in their body. So they had things like coronary heart disease and cardiovascular disease. And this is because the function of cholesterol is to make patches or create like plaque to decrease inflammation in arteries. This is why cholesterol is co correlated to arthrosclerosis. It's because they're like, oh my gosh, there's all these plaques coming up here. But literally, it's just the cholesterol trying to put out the fire that's in your body. And it's the water that's trying to put out the fire. So it's not necessarily the bad guy, but it is showing your it is your body showing you that something is going on. Another function of cholesterol and why you should be eating cholesterol is that it makes your hormones. It helps make things like estrogen, testosterone, adrenal hormones. So if you are having issues with hormones, you need to make sure that your cholesterol is high enough or that you are consuming things with cholesterol in it. It also helps build the structure of your cell membranes and helps your metabolism work effectively and produce vitamin D. There is so much talk out there about how important vitamin D is and making sure that you get out in the sun and that it helps with mood and that it just makes you feel better. But if you are not able to produce it, then what's the point? So 
eat that cholesterol or make sure that you have enough cholesterol. The last thing is, is that it helps produce bile acid and helps you digest fat and absorb nutrients. Fun fact, if you have poop that is floating in your toilet or like, yes, we are talking about poop right now, so get comfortable with that. If your poop is floating when you go to the bathroom, this literally means that your body is not producing enough bile. So your gallbladder, which produces bile to break down fat, is not producing enough to break it down or that your pancreas is not producing enough enzymes so that your body can break that down. So again, think of your poop, like that oil that you put in water. It's literally that oil that is floating on top of the water because that fat is not broken down. Now, cholesterol is also associated with things like HDL and LDL. HDL stands for high-density lipoprotein, and LDL stands for low-density lipoprotein. What does this all mean? At the beginning of the podcast, I had talked about how fat does not dissolve in water. This means that fat needs to have a carrier protein so that it can be transferred throughout the body. This is why it's called lipoprotein, so lipid meaning fat, and then protein meaning protein. HDL is usually known as the good cholesterol, and this is because it removes the plaque from the arteries and it helps deliver hormones into the cells. It usually picks up this cholesterol in the blood and then gives it to the liver to be repackaged and broken down and used somewhere else. So this is why it's usually considered the good cholesterol. Then there is LDL, which is usually considered that bad cholesterol because it is putting that plaque in the arteries to heal wounds, um, heal inflammation, which again, it is not the bad guy. It is just your body showing you that something is wrong and something is going on and there is a root cause that you need to fix. Now, the big old question, how much should I be eating? I don't know how much fat I should be eating because I'm terrified of eating too much fat, which again, I would question yourself on why you're so scared of it in the first place. And the big answer is, drum roll please, I don't even know if you guys heard that, but it depends. There are a few things that you can think about because I know everyone hates that question or hates that answer of it depends, but it depends on your training age. And this I know kind of sounds weird, but if you've been training for a longer period of time, I'm referring more to like weight training and sprinting, you are able to produce more stress on your central nervous system. So let's say you're going down for a squat. And if you've ever done this before, especially a barbell squat, you're going down for a squat, you're able to lift more weight and push more out and have more output because you've performed that activity so much that you're not really working on technique. You're really working more on performance. And so you're digging deeper into your central nervous system on pushing out more. So if you are an athlete, I would definitely say not in season, should your fat be higher? It would definitely need to be lower because you would probably want to utilize more carbs because that would help with energy source. But you would want to make sure that in your off season that your fat is higher so that you can recover. Remember, we want to recover, not survive. 
Another thing that you could look at is how much are you intaking right now? So let's say you're that person that is terrified of eating fat and then you listen to this podcast and you're like, oh my gosh, okay, I need to eat fat. So I'm going to eat all the fat. Slow your roll. Chill out. We want your poops to be good. We want your body to be able to utilize the fat that you are consuming. So maybe slowly increase the fat that you are eating so that your body can start producing that bile, start producing those enzymes. Because if if, if your body is not used to breaking down all that fat, it's not going to be able to utilize all that fat because it's kind of just like, oh my gosh, like, you know, when you start the first day of school, or at least this is me, you start the first day of school and you get all your syllabuses and all the all the activities that you have to do the first day of high school or the first day of college and you're kind of just like oh my gosh how am I going to get this all done I don't understand literally that's your body when you just throw a bunch of one thing at it and it's not used to it so make sure you're slowly increasing that so you can actually use the good fats that you are eating Another thing that you can look at is the kind of exercise that you're doing. So if you're doing more low intensity exercise, like let's say yin yoga, walking, things where your heart rate isn't super duper high, there's nothing wrong with doing that kind of exercise. But I would definitely say you would probably be able to, you would be utilizing more fat as fuel than you would be carbohydrates not saying that you don't need any carbohydrates because again there's so many other things that are going into that but you would probably be able to be able to get away more with eating more fat now on the other hand if you're doing high intensity exercise especially if you're an athlete that is in season you'd probably want to be consuming less because your body needs that quick source of fuel from those carbohydrates Last thing that you really, really, really should be looking at, because I know a lot of people are dealing with this and it's kind of coming up more and more in conversation, but people are still a little bit nervous talking about, is if you have hormonal issues, if you are dealing with hypothalamic amenorrhea, if you're dealing with adrenal fatigue, you need to be eating more fat. If you are having testosterone issues, you need to be eating more fat. You need to be eating good whole food sources of fat so that your body can be creating those hormones. Please, if you need help with this, don't be afraid to reach out to me. This was something that I struggled with for a long time and I will help you, support you, and give you some guidance as far as like being okay with increasing your fat. It is not as scary as you might think it is. Now, if you want some nitty gritty numbers, Here are some, but again, it's going to depend on the person. The USDA recommends saturated fat being less than 10% of your total calories, which most people realistically probably aren't getting. So I don't want you to be too worried about that, but that is what they recommend. They also recommend keeping your total fat to a 20 to 30% of your total calorie. And that's, that's their thoughts. Now, there is also the nutrition, wellness, aesthetic, athletic world, and they kind of recommend more of a range. They recommend a range going from 20 to 70%. Now, that is a very wide range. And I would highly recommend for the average person not being in that range or not not being on the ends. Now, if you are trying to go more keto, that would be more that 70%. But especially if you are female, 
I know I had said that like hormonal wise you want to increase your fats but again you need those carbs too so I for most people I'm going to stress this right now probably leaning towards keto especially if you're just trying to find a balance in your diet right now don't lean all the way to 70 percent now if you are an extreme athlete like a high level athlete or in aesthetic world that's where they go more to that 20 percent but I'd say most people feel good around that like 30 to 40 percent. And even then, I really don't think you have to be as precise with that. Just making sure that you get some good fat sources in every meal that you have is going to help you feel more balanced and satiated through your diet and throughout your day. If you're finding yourself like eating food and then you or like you eat a meal and then an hour later or two hours later you're like oh my gosh I'm really really hungry maybe try increasing your fat and see like okay I was able or I was more satiated after that meal how did I feel after that meal but if you didn't then maybe you need to reevaluate after a couple weeks and increase your carbs But if you're a little bit confused on that and need some more help, again, don't be afraid to contact me. You can do this by emailing me or messaging me on Instagram. I'm here to help. I'd love to help. I know this can kind of be a little bit confusing and overwhelming, but I really do want to thank you for listening to this podcast. I hope I helped alleviate the stress of like I shouldn't be eating any of the fat I know a lot of people right now are going on their like whole big diet kicks and they're like okay first thing I'm going to cut out are all my like fat foods or I'm going to go fat free or reach for the fat free products when in actuality you might find that you're more satiated with those fat filled foods like Greek yogurt if you are not eating full fat Greek yogurt that is where it's at but I'm going to stop rambling there because this is getting to be pretty long. (laughs) So if you want to email me, email me at beccababblespodcast at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram at rebecca.a. If you have any questions or comments that you want to tell me about, I would love to hear them. But besides that, I want to thank you again so much for listening to this podcast and I can't wait to babble with you next time.